there's um the mile zero is in Masset, bc on uh, the northern tip of haida Gwaii. and we took that um we rode all the way to mile zero and then it kept going so i said we looked at each other and i said let's just keep riding it let's go all the way and um it turned into a dirt trail and then it turned into a beach and then i noticed that this beach turns into a big um sand spit i want to say it was a big sharp point where two two sides of the island meet and it turns into a big sharp point shooting out into the ocean and i thought oh i want to walk to the very end of that to so for me it would kind of symbolize the absolute bitter end of that highway um not bitter end but you know what i mean but the the very the very end so hello i'm alan hill in this podcast series of the nostalgic vagabond we're talking travel all kinds of travel with all kinds of interesting people from all around the world in conversation we'll share personal anecdotes tales of adventure and maybe misadventure too listen in for some unique cultural perspectives tips from seasoned veterans and an array of diverse experiences that have contributed to many life-changing journeys travel really is a privilege we know that now and if we can't do it right this very moment let's talk about it then hey where are you right now on this slightly different episode of the Nostalgic Vagabond podcast, and also a series first, I have two guests on the chat. And these two guests are zooming in from two different locations on either side of Canada. I talk today with Matt Sebastian and Sean McCord. Before this recording, while I was troubleshooting preemptively what tech issues might happen, I was anxious how this would go. But in the end, Matt, Sean, and I pulled it off, I think. So super stoked. Matt and Sean are a cycling partnership. Together, they cross the whole country of Canada, east to west. Well, more or less. Sean is from West Canada, and Matt is from Western-ish Canada. But their journey together started in a hostel in Halifax many years ago. In conversation, we talk about whose crazy idea it was initially to attempt such a daring adventure as this. And as with all trips, there are fears that have to be considered, and how these might be overcome. We talk about the unique route that Matt and Sean ended up taking, and some of the picturesque vistas they passed, notably Manitoulin Island on Lake Huron. On a mega-long trip, there will always be those inevitable scary moments, but I was really caught off guard by what Sean and Matt had to say about witnessing an awful racism encounter one evening in Manitoba. But on a more positive note, Matt Sebastian's life changed on this trip, as he met his now wife en route in Ottawa. With so many weeks on the highways together, I was curious to hear what Sean and Matt experienced once they had finally reached that finish line, so to speak. I was confident that both Matt and Sean would have comments about how this epic road trip by pedal power was life-changing, with countless opportunities for personal growth. And I didn't expect such heartfelt comments from both guys, saying how much their riding buddy meant to the trip and to their relationship in general. Anyways, that's enough from this monologue intro. 
and let's just get to the conversation. First of all, I'd like to say, Matt Sebastian, thank you for coming on the Nostalgic Vagabond podcast. Hey man, no problem. I'm stoked. This is so fun to think about uh, about the past and be nostalgic. Yeah, man. Really good to have you on. Um, I haven't seen you for over a decade. We used to work together in Australia years and years ago. So it's good to see you again, only in uh, two dimensions rather than three dimensions. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in the supermarket, stock those shelves together. You betcha. 10 years ago. Eh? Well, yeah, time passes. That's for sure. And also on the Nostalgic Vagabond podcast today, I'd like to say a big hello to Sean McCord. How you doing? Pretty good. Happy to be here. Yeah, this is exciting stuff to uh, to talk <laughs> talk about this kind of thing. This is cool. Yeah, well, thanks for coming on, both of you guys. We're going to talk about a very interesting adventure that you guys were partners on, and that was this epic trans-Canadian cycling tour. Now, before we get to that, I just wanted to check in with where you guys are precisely. Now, Matt Sebastian, I'm aware that you've moved recently. So where are you right now? Back to Halifax. Uh, actually, just across the harbour, I am in Dartmouth right now. Um, bought my first house, so I'm a new homeowner. And man, I'm loving it out here. This is, this is where we call home, so I'm glad to be back. Sweet. Well, congratulations on purchasing the house. And uh, Sean McCord, uh, whereabouts are you right now in Canada? I'm in Vancouver, uh, Strathcona. So, yeah, it's a neighborhood in Vancouver. It's kind of on, it's like east of Chinatown. We call it East Van, let's say. Right. That's not East Hastings, though. Um, it's not, technically, it's not East Hastings. That would be further west. And I'm further east than that. So it's still ballpark in that area, but it's not... Uh, not that epicenter, let's say. Yeah. Probably for the best as well, eh? <laughs> yeah, it's it's yeah, there's a bit of um kind of people breaking into cars and stuff and it happens, <laughs> but I'm not as close, but yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully fingers crossed no dodginess will happen to you in the in the near future and in the future ahead. Oh, fingers um, crossed. <laughs> um as far as I'm aware, guys, you both met in Halifax, but neither of you were born and raised in Halifax. Can you start, Matt, first of all, by explaining how you ended up in Halifax and then how you met Sean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I was born in Saskatchewan. I guess I was raised in Calgary. Then I did a little bit of traveling here and there, and eventually I ended up coming back to Canada. And uh, where did I go to? Uh, Regina was where I started in Saskatchewan was where I started uh, my university experience and that took me to Montreal on an exchange program and then I rode my bike my first long distance bike ride from Montreal to Halifax and I rode that because I was I was moving to Halifax to continue my university there so uh ended up in Halifax and stayed at the hostel because I didn't have a place to live yet. I think I was moving into res, yeah, into residence at university, but that didn't open up until, uh, I don't know, end of August, beginning of September or something. And uh, so I found myself at the hostel for a couple of weeks. And that's where Sean comes in. 
Yeah. So, Sean, how did you end up in Halifax? Were you there studying as well? Yeah, I was. Um, I got to Halifax and I got into a school called NASCAD, which is an art school there. And my girlfriend and I at the time were planning on looking, we were looking for a place. So I came out first and found um, a place through staying at the hostel. So I was there at the hostel and that's where I met Matt there. Yeah. Like just before then, I wanted to do a bike trip because I was inspired by people who I was going to art school with here in Vancouver. And they were doing the trip and I was so inspired by their idea. For for uh, honorable mention, their names are Brian and Tevis. Um, but yeah, they they kind of kickstarted the idea for me. And I, uh, because before then I didn't really conceive that as a plan. I didn't think that you could physically do that. Um, so <laughs> just that idea kind of was sitting in my head. And then I, so by the time I met Matt, that's where we kind of, together we kind of brewed the idea. Did you guys meet in the hostel and then just bond over the fact that you both were into cycling? I'll start with you, Matt. I don't think that that was the initial thing that connected us. I think that uh, contextually I was, you know, attracted to getting to know Sean better because I had just finished this solo trip and, you know, hostels, they have lots of different kinds of people extravagant you know uh <laughs> loud people mm -hmm. and then you have understated and uh, uh brilliant and creative uh people as well and that was sean and so i think that that personality is what initially uh connected us would you agree sean uh it was definitely not about the bike trip or cycling when we first were talking it was more just yeah, kind of um, similar interests, and I, I, I was very, um, I don't know, I was sort of just walking around, sitting around, and he was always curious, and and I, I liked him right away. So I, it was kind of a, kind of a gravitational friendship because it, it we just naturally liked each other, and we were hanging out all the time. So, so yeah, it was it, it was good. Moving forward now to the whole concept of this cycling adventure, this trans-Canadian cycle adventure, whose idea was it specifically? Now, Sean, you were mentioning that these two blokes had this idea and you were not sure if this was an even, a possible or an achievable goal. So I was just curious, was there a moment in the hostel, for example, where you're having a few beers and maybe Matt said, are we going to do this bike ride or what? So, Sean, like, was there like a, a turning point or like a catalyst where you were thinking about the idea of a bike trip, thinking it was beyond your reach, and then the two of you maybe working as a team, it could be something that was attainable, Sean? Um, yeah, in that hostel too, there were there were two guys that did their own separate trips and arrived at the hostel, and I was still it was still vivid in my mind this like big adventure, and I was like, oh. You, so I would kind of brag about them to, to Matt. And I said, hey, this guy just biked across Canada. And then <laughs> I'd point out the other guy and I'd say, he just finished his trip across Canada too. Like, what a bold move. Like, that's so cool. And Matt was like, oh, that'd be cool to do. And I agreed with him. I said, yeah, that would be cool to do. But it didn't feel like a 
concrete plan was being made. It was, I just sort of was like, yeah, that'd be fun. But I wasn't thinking that I was making a commitment at that moment. <laughs> and Matt, would you agree with that memory from Sean or do you have like a different recollection? Yeah, no, that, uh, that happened. But what's different between him and I is when I uh, am presented with something that I find interesting and think it's doable, then I commit right away. <laughs> and so, so for him, it was a casual, oh yeah, that sounds fun. And for me, it was like, all right, so next summer, okay, I got to get a bike. And <laughs> like, like I just, uh, I was committed right then and there. And so I guess that was the difference in, in <laughs> our experience with that first conversation. Sean, coming back to you then, if it seemed like Matt was raring to go straight off the bat and you were still umming and ahhing and semi-committed. How did it evolve from that point to the point where the both of you decided that we're actually doing this and this is our start date and we're just going to go for it? Um, he kept talking about it here and there. And though, so we the plan kind of started in September and then he was kind of mentioning it throughout the few months and then by the time it was um, just after so just as soon as the next semester started in January I think he had already organized to have a couple other friends join and so then I looked at him like you're actually serious you're gonna do this and I because I was like yeah 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 we're for sure yeah we're gonna bike across Canada but I was never really like I don't know. <laughs> like I, I come from a world where you can say, yeah, but you know, you don't, it's like, it's not really a cemented thing until, I don't know, maybe that's just me, but I, I just kind of was like, yeah, okay, maybe it'll happen. But I was sort of like not totally convinced yet until I could see that he was starting to really actually take the initiative to make solid efforts to do this. And then I go, okay. And then he went and bought his bike. So once he bought the bike too, I realized, okay, he's not, he's not playing around. He's actually going to do this. So then I went and bought my bike. And by the time I bought the bike, I said, okay, now I'm doing it because I just bought the bike. And that was uh, an expensive investment. <laughs> so Matt, it seems like your um, tenacity and, and your willingness to go on an adventure kind of coerced in the background Sean to go out and purchase his bike as this investment, as he said, and then just join you and just get on with it. Yeah, which is uh, kind of funny to hear because I just I don't remember thinking that Sean would ever not do it. So, um, <laughs> so I um, I just went on and did those things, like he said. Maybe took the initiative to him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm glad he did end up doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to you, Sean, as it seems like you were the one with the most trepidation about the whole concept of this trans-Canadian cycle tour, just wondering, Sean, what was your biggest fear or concern? Perhaps that was holding you back from committing to that yes from the moment the idea was sprung. Um, I was afraid that I, firstly, I just didn't think I was physically capable of doing that. I thought I had to be a much more physically fit and you know, more of an athlete. And I didn't think of that of them. I didn't think I could do it. And just planning it. And that seemed like a lot of planning. 
uh, it seemed like I just kind of came up with so many reasons why it was too big for me, I guess. So in the end, I, I felt a lot more confident in myself knowing that uh, Matt was eagerly and absolutely very willing to just start reaching for things. It was sort of like he was showing me that as long as you reach, you're already making the step to get there. So you might as well start reaching. It was sort of like put one foot in front of the other. And in my mind, I was like, oh, I have to like visualize me being able to co to completely do this. Or I, it felt like it was too much for me to chew at the time, but he was saying sort of, it, he, not, he wasn't seriously saying this. He was just showing me, it was sort of like take baby steps to, to do this it, and just kind of by watching him and understanding how he was planning it out I sort of got the feeling that it was more and more possible through each step just buying the bike looking at a map planning the route um, deciding how many kilometers we were possible in a day and a budget um, that was another thing budgeting I just wasn't sure how much everything was going to cost or how that was even going to work yeah well Interesting. I'll come to you now, Matt, as well, because as far as I'm aware, because I've known you, we worked together for a few months in Australia way back when, you always struck me as a, a fairly fearless person or a bold person, I would say. But curiously, did you have any fears or concerns, even though you were sort of gung-ho about going on this adventure? There must have been some niggling you know, demons sitting on your shoulders telling you you couldn't do this as well. Is, is that right? Oh, no, I, I would say that I knew I could do it. I knew we could do it. I guess there were just certain details that I wasn't sure about that were, might set us back or something like, uh, you know, it was a big trip. So we, there were certain things that we had to think about and maybe we, we could be in a pickle there for like food or something if we were out in the middle of nowhere or I don't know. But I, I just felt like Sean said it well. I kind of lived my life decision by decision. And so so perhaps I make a big decision, like I'll do the cross Canada trip and then I break it into sub decisions. And I, that's how I kind of plan. And I can see that each decision can have sub decisions and then uh, baby steps, like Sean said. And so I guess that's why I knew I could do it because if something did go wrong, well, you just make the next decision, then you, you go on and man that that has led me down some roads but it um it's been fun it's been a fun life <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's move on now into like this just the whole concept of this adventure as far as i'm aware guys you were in halifax so you started in halifax but you wanted to go the whole length of canada you guys went as far east as you could go and then turned around and went as far west as you could go now sean can you explain why and how you came up with that route? Yeah, I felt like when I met one of the guys in the hostel who finished his trip, I was saying, I was asking him, like, anytime I saw him, I was just picking his brain and I was always curious about his trip because it was so uh, exciting. And he was, so I, I just said, like, what were some highlights? What did you do? And how far did you, did you go from east to west? And he said, yeah, I went as far east as I could go at the very end. So he was just getting back from Newfoundland. So he said, there's a place called Cape Spear in Newfoundland in St. John's. And he said that there's a plaque and it says that this is the farthest east that you can go. 
in North America. And I thought, wow, that is the, that is amazing. So I, I said, so when we were planning it, I thought we better go check that out because then we can say we've been there. I just wanted to know that I have seen, like, it was kind of like, if I'm going to do Canada, a Canada trip, then I would like to kind of get it all done in one shot. So I wanted to make sure that I saw that Eastern tip. Like, I just wanted to see that plaque, really. <laughs> um, just so I can say, like, yeah, I went to the furthest east. So, so yeah. Yeah, and then, Matt, as far as I'm aware, you guys went from Halifax to as far east as you could go. And then you backtracked. And then you carried on west from there. So what was the deal with that? Right, yeah. So the backtrack was uh, serendipitous, if I use that word well. I don't know. <laughs> but So we landed in St. John's and then stayed at the hostel there and you know, met some people. And then there was a guy who was looking for a job. We had stayed at a buddy's place, a buddy's brother's place in Antigonish in Nova Scotia. And uh, he was a tree planter in uh, it seemed like it would be pretty easy to get a job as a tree planter through him. And so we thought um, uh, we could hook you up with a job, perhaps in Antigonish. And if uh, you could give us a ride back, that'd be great. Because Antigonish is where we were headed east. And so uh, he had a truck. We threw our bikes in his truck. And uh, we didn't actually have to re-ride Newfoundland, which was, which was really great because that was uh, cold and hilly island <laughs> so we took the drive back to Antigonish with that guy his name is Dan I believe yeah yeah he got the job I guess stuck around for a little while and we kept riding west right so you guys went from Halifax as far east as you could go and then the mission was to go as far west as you could go a trip like this must take weeks and weeks and weeks so I'm a bit like Sean, I suppose, and I'm maybe a little bit less like Matt, though I wish I was a bit more like Matt often. When it comes to these types of things, practically I like to think about what are my limitations here. I'd like to start with you, Sean, and just ask you questions about what were your plans for things like taking care of your food, your accommodation, your showers, your laundry, any repairs that needed to be done. Had you guys developed a plan for this, Sean? Yeah, we did have a kind of a a bit of a plan, but it was mostly planned out during the trip because it was sort of more like it the whole thing really felt like learning how to swim by jumping into a place where your feet aren't touching anymore. So I felt like just by fighting drowning you kind of learn in in a sense because I the budgeting and everything was all done on the fly and seems kind of dangerous, but it was yeah, planning for food. We went to grocery stores. Uh, we went to, um, and f as far as budget is concerned, I had, luckily, I'm very privileged. I had a, a savings account, so I was able to use that. But because, I mean, otherwise, I'm sure people would have had to, I don't know what you do, get a job at some point or <laughs> something, because it did get to be, I think in the end, I'm not honestly sure, but I think in the end it was about four thousand bucks. I think, in ter in terms of like food and staying at a hostel and stuff like that. So yeah, we we're eating at uh, mo mostly what we would try and do is get uh, trail mix, and um, I learned 
I on this trip particularly made me was gave me the opportunity to get over my fear of eating seafood and eating eggs. Those are two things I never wanted to touch, but I noticed that Matt was buying cans of um, tuna and they were very cheap and very high in protein and they're very light. And I was jealous of that. I wanted to have that, but I was so afraid of seafood for some reason. So I started eating that and I, I learned, oh, okay, you can just get over the, the taste bud issue. And once I started doing that, I learned, okay, this is amazing because you feel very recharged and it's like only a dollar for a can. So we, we went to, so at grocery stores, it was a lot of trail mix, buying big bulk bags of that, apples and broccoli and just kind of going into the produce section, getting a bunch of stuff to put in the bag and maybe a, a little thing of hot dogs and we would eat them raw. Like we didn't bring a stove, which was kind of like we learned at the end of the trip, a stove would have saved us so much hassle, but we just didn't bring one. So the, like there are a lot of things where we realized like, oh, this could have been easier, but we just didn't do it. But I, yeah. Um, so there was grocery stores. And then besides that, there was a lot of Tim Hortons and a lot of Subway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Now, uh, I just I just want to add, um, you were saying we went as far west as we can go. And just for the record, I think that if we were to truly go as far west, we would have to be up in the Yukon somewhere because I noticed the Yukon stretches further west than where we went. But anyway, that's just side stuff. I just wanted to put that out there just to, in case someone's listening and they go, oh, that's not the furthest west you could go. But yeah, anyway. <laughs> right. Yeah, you've just revealed my, my lack of clarity in my Canadian geography there, Sean. So thank you for that. But yeah, you went you went west as far as you could go on Vancouver Island. Is that is that right, Matt? Um, gosh, I don't know if Vancouver Island or Haida Gwaii is further west, but uh, Haida Gwaii. Haida Gwaii. Okay, yeah. So Haida Gwaii would have been would have been the furthest west. So, Sean, can you just um, fill in the, the the gaps there with um, what you did for accommodation and and what you did for showers and laundry and any repairs on the bikes? So we showers and laundry. Um, that was a completely life changing experience because I was suddenly now wearing the same boxers and socks <laughs> for a week to two weeks straight, and I have to be shameless. Like I learned to, to be just shameless. Like we we would have to save laundry for only the times we'd actually run into a, an opportunity to do that and those were rare opportunities so i probably had maybe a maximum of five pairs of underwear something like that and so yeah i mean what else was it laundry and did you say accommodations too yeah well you were staying in hostels but i mean i imagine did you stay in some tents or anything like that mostly tents in fact, that was another thing too. Matt was kind of showing me, um, he did a quick little trip from, I would say little trip. It's not really that little, but it was Montreal to Halifax. And on that, he was he had already experienced pitching a tent just on any plot of grass. So I wasn't really used to that. And he showed me, oh, you can camp here, you can camp there. And so that was really beautiful to open my mind to seeing grass differently now i just say oh you can sleep there 
And so everywhere we went, there was always just somewhere you can camp. So most, most of the trip was 95% to, I would say 95% of it was camping on a plot of grass or not even grass, just a flat area somewhere where you can pitch a tent. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty roughing it. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It was just something to get used to. Mm. So Matt, do you have anything to add to those remarks from Sean? Oh, no, it's just, uh, you know, the memories of the different kinds of places we we did pitch a tent. You know, you could you could rattle off a list of funny places, but um, uh, that's not what we're after here, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> I was just curious then, Matt, um, obviously you, you covered a, a, an obscene amount of kilometers on this trip. I was just curious if you can remember if there was like a most picturesque location whether that was a place where you pitched the tent or not or just a place where you passed through or, or a vista from cycling your bike across a, a pass can you does, a, does an image come to your mind when i say do you have a most picturesque location yeah like those kinds of questions like the most beautiful or picturesque are so hard to answer uh but just to name one of them manitoulin island in the in lake huron there was just something special about that place for me. It was, um, yeah, I, I can't really describe it. It's just like, as we rode Manitoulin Island, I just felt so connected to the land. It was like I had uh, reached some sort of level of peace and I can't wait to go back. Like I just, uh, yeah, I often think of Manitoulin Island and that peace that I felt there. And I think it has something to do with the Canadian Shield. Um, that was kind of my first experience being on the Canadian Shield. Again, it's it's really hard to describe like what's so special about it. But for me, there's just some sort of like natural connection that I feel when I'm standing on it and uh, or biking on it. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it um, it's good. It's good, and it's picturesque too. <laughs> As an ignorant Australian, Matt, what what is the Canadian Shield? Right. Well, I guess i don't really know scientifically what it is but it's like uh, an area of canada kind of in the middle that is a massive rock i don't know would you, what would you say sean um i guess it's sort of a i want to almost call it a tectonic plate i'm not sure it's a big rock yeah it's almost like one solid chunk of rock underneath eastern canada mm. yeah Google yeah. it, I think. <laughs> I, will, I, I will. I will do. So, so Sean, whether or not you have a different favorite place or vista, um, obviously you, you must have appreciated the, the Canadian Shield part of the trip as well, but do you have a, a slightly different take on what your most picturesque location was during the trip? I think with what Matt said, I agree that Northern Ontario um, and Manitoulin Island I remember when we got off that ferry from Tobermory, we were riding and it was just a beautiful, like an interesting day. It was kind of, I want to say it was almost rainy, foggy, but there was something really lush and green about the place. Well, it was all, I mean, the whole thing was lush and green, but this particular place was new um, plants that I haven't seen before and uh, kind of mysterious fog. And I, I just... We were looking at it just like, this is not what we were expecting. That's at least what I was thinking. I was thinking it was, I like those moments where I was surprised at 
what it looked and smelled like and what it felt like. And I was, it was kind of like, um, uh, just kind of all hitting me at once. And I thought, yeah, this is, he turned to me and he said, isn't this the nicest part of the trip? And I said, yeah, it is. So that being said, I now thinking back on the whole trip, I think that was a moment where I really felt like this is interesting. This is a neat part of the world. So, yeah. Yeah. I agree with what he said. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like, I suppose at that certain point in your journey as well, being, well into the journey but still got a ways to go i guess it was like you're heading into the second act or you're just moving forward in your journey and it was sort of i guess part of the story like a main part of the storyline as you were going through on the canadian shield i've learned something today that's really cool now (laughs) this next question guys is a two-parter and i'll start with matt these questions i find really interesting personally because i like to see what other people say about their experiences personally so matt i just wanted to ask you this two-parter now in terms of the overall trip in your opinion what would you say was the greatest personal challenge you had and then something to do with the fact that you were riding this trip that was so long or was it also to do with that you were riding so long with one other person as well was there like an element of um uh honey honeymoon fatigue i suppose is there an element of that um yeah so in terms of the personal challenge i think that uh i think that my challenge was uh getting my brain to turn off a little bit and just be and experience the now and while it's on my mind new brunswick has or had a uh, a motto and it's be dot 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 in this place and <laughs> when sean and i saw that river the first time we laughed and we laughed we thought it was so funny but man that um that's exactly what the challenge was for me was to just be dot 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 where I am. Yeah. And what I mean by that, I guess, is, is going back to those decisions I was talking about at the beginning, like, I guess I'm always willing to go and do and explore, but that means that my mind is always thinking about, cool, what's my next decision? What's my, what are we going to do next? And that's not allowing me to take in the now present all the time, every time. And so that was a personal challenge for me, for sure. And then when it came to the the partnership riding together, I think the challenge there was just understanding what my patterns are, uh, preferences, what Sean's preferences and patterns are, just um, kind of exploring that for yourself first, and then respectfully understanding the others and trying to come to a agreement about how we can match our patterns or differences and you know and enjoy the experience as a pair uh, instead mm-hmm. of like. I don't know, feeling annoyed about something or, or feeling like, yeah, you, you, you can't fully take it all in because there's something different that the other person is feeling or something. It was moments like that at Manitoulin Island that we shared that are like so special when we have this joint sense of awe, like just amazing. 
Yeah. Do you have anything to add there, Sean? I mean, you, you traveled together for such a long time. There must have been moments where you, you guys were tired and kind of your your levels of frustration or um, uh, hunger were varying and you obviously had to still work as a team the whole way through the journey. Do you have anything to add on those two points? Well, we... So, yeah, I feel like this trip is just as much about going on a long trip. It's like the distance is one thing and then the other thing is trying to come up with how to be a team member for me. And I was so frustrated with him that <laughs> there were so many times where him and I, where I felt like there were seriously moments where I told him like, okay, I, maybe at some point we might have to go our own separate ways or maybe this. And I, I was kind of saying that just out of emotion. Like I'm a very emotional guy, but he, you know, I was so like kind of up and down and I kind of was like the, I mean, a big beautiful part of this trip was how much of a, a friend he is like like learning how you can depend on someone else i wasn't i'm not used to that like i i'm kind of more of a loner in a sense and he kind of like being on this trip kind of showed me it's like you can you can depend on someone you can or you can have someone depend on you you can um communicate just simply put uh what else uh, yeah, there were a couple of things where it seemed a little bit rocky, but we worked it out and we talked about it. And I was always just like, you know, those were great moments where we would kind of come to an agreement. We'd go to bed, get up and have a great next day, even though the day before we might have had an argument or something. And um, mm. so, yeah, in a way, it, it was like kind of, you know, it's a, it's a relationship in a way, you know, it's like it is a relationship. But yeah, I'll just, I'll just I'll leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, Sean, 100%. I mean, I've been traveling for a long time now, and I have encountered many different types of people. And sometimes I've met people who are traveling on their own, but they didn't begin their adventures traveling on their own. And at some point, they've had a major fight, and they've gone their separate ways. So I do understand and I appreciate especially when you're traveling and when you're traveling like you guys were, it's exhausting. And we all know that when we're tired and we're hungry, we're not really ourselves. I think the fact that you guys were able to work together as a team for such a long time under those pressures and those levels of exhaustion, it sort of speaks to you guys as individuals, but also how strong a partnership you were for that whole trip. So you guys should you know, really be proud of yourselves for that. Thank you. Now, Moving on to something that is a another kind of personal question that I would like to ask you guys is over the whole course of the trip, and I'll start with you, Sean, was there a moment, like a scary moment for you? And then how did you overcome that? Uh, okay, so the scary moment for me was, well, I'll say this, th there was this moment where we were in Winnipeg and we met some people that were like, I was sitting there, I, I got out a pair of scissors and I was really into doing DIY haircuts. So I was cutting my own hair with some scissors and behind us, we heard, Hey guys, how's it going? In a very gentle voice. And we turn around and it's these heavily tattooed. It was like a heavily, you know, kind of intimidating street gang behind us. 
and they wanted to hang out with us. It wasn't so much scary, but what happened was, so, I mean, this was a moment on the trip that really uh, was impactful to me. So um, the, it, it did get scary at a point where the, we were hanging out with them and they were like so incredibly nice and so surprisingly nice is what I should say. And um, so there was a point when they would, were deciding to squeegee cars to to get to make money and we were joining them so i was holding the water bucket for them and we were having a great time laughing and and then um i get a tap on the shoulder on my shoulder and it was a, a police officer and he told me step aside and then he started grabbing them and throwing them up against the cop car pinning them to the ground and handcuffing one of them and treating them like just treating them like crap and i was like whoa 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 and uh so um i just learned at that moment i was really just in awe or in shock that the police were treating and they were indigenous and the police would treat them like so differently than they were treating me and matt and we were alongside them we were together and the, they, it was a very unfortunate moment where I just learned like this country that I was trying to learn to be really proud of is not, I'm not really proud of it at that moment. I was like, this is not cool. Like this is really telling of how Canada has a very long history of um, treating indigenous people worse than everyone else and uh so that was to me i would say that was a scary very scary moment just because it it's a haunting memory and i just think of that when i think of the trip that's the one that always comes up that memory you know there were moments where i was out of food and or we were i guess one moment where i think we were out of food and i didn't know when my next meal was going to be that was a little scary but we worked it out. I think I just had to eat a little bit less trail mix than I normally was eating. Um, <laughs> but I mean, comparing those two things, that that incident with the police, that stands out. That was the biggest thing for me. Yeah, That's scary. And how about you, Matt? What was yours? Something similar or something totally different? Well, I would absolutely agree with Sean's most. Yeah, just terrifying. Just like terrifyingly, shockingly, disgusting um, moment. Yeah. And then physically, I guess the scariest moment was the stretch just of highway just before Winnipeg. That area of the world, I guess, has some issues. <laughs> um, yeah, no, the highway just uh, from the Ontario border to Winnipeg is a terrible road to bike on. And so there were lots of lorries and big semi-trucks, uh, you know, brushing past you as, you as you would ride. And that was uh, very uncomfortable. Um, and how you overcome that, I guess, is just to keep riding. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> just continue brushing shoulders with the mess of yeah, trucks yeah. and just not get blown away by their slipstream. Exactly. But as Sean said, that compared to uh, the blatant racism that we ex experienced in person was just, um, uh, you know, not, it, not not to be compared. So, um, mm. wow. Well, let's move on to something a little more favorable then. That is, and I'll start with you, Sean, again this time. What is your most memorable moment of the entire trip for you? Well, I guess that would be the same thing, but um, 
you know what? I'm sorry. I'm going to have to say with the same answer. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Keep it dark. Keep it dark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, it's the most standout memory. When I think of that entire trip, that stands out like crazy. And otherwise, I've had so many moments on that trip that are equally just inspiring and beautiful and but they were kind of happening all at different times so yeah it's hard to pick one yeah hard to pick one like big beautiful moment what about you matt oh the standout moment um sorry was that was that the question (laughs) i mean it seemed like that experience that you had with the racism was obviously cutting Mm -hmm. deep into your your beings and i can understand that so let's say matt flip that around was there a most positive memorable moment yeah so you can't obviously include that no, one now like, um okay positive memorable like um countless of course but the one that uh, i remember the most detail about is when we arrived in ottawa and we were thinking that the parliament grounds they belonged to all citizens of Canada, and so we could camp on there. <laughs> and that's, I'm laughing because that's not true. Um, <laughs> they, they keep those uh, pretty well secured, and uh, rightfully so. And so we pulled into the tourism center to uh, ask where's the good place that we could camp in Ottawa. We walked in, and this uh, woman with dreads was behind the counter and I thought whoa she is beautiful like I said dreads but there's more other things about her that that were beautiful of course the dreads just stood out so she laughed at us for wanting to camp on Parliament Hill and then uh, (laughs) gave us some ideas we rode away and then uh, somebody who we were biking with at the time his brakes broke down a hill not far away and so uh, we had to go back and then uh, we got to talking to this woman again. And then she says, uh, you know what, you guys what, uh, you guys could just uh, camp in my backyard. And we were like, oh, that's awesome. Thank you. And so we uh, spent the night there and spent the night hanging out with her and then thought she was awesome. And then we spent a second night there, of course, because uh, we were having such a ball. And this woman and I, tra- uh, we tra- traded numbers and we kept in touch. And then, you know, over the years, over the year, we did some long distance relationship stuff. And now we're happily married. And so that's the, um, that's the most memorable, positive moment in my trip. That's for sure. Oh, wow. So it's like that was the beginning of a next chapter in your life. That's right. That- that moment in Ottawa. Yeah. Uh huh. Well, at least we've gone on a positive route now after that <laughs> that terrible experience you guys had there. <laughs> right now, Sean, I remember you were saying that at the start of the trip you wanted to go and check out that plaque that was on the furthest east you could get to. Now, when you had travelled for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks westward across the country of Canada. Do you remember the moment you arrived at this sort of, let's say, you know, for argument's sake, it's not the most Western point of the country, but the most Western point you guys were going to. 
What do you remember from that experience once you arrived at, let's say, the finish line or the zero mile marker on that particular road on the western side of Canada? Actually, we went, there's, um, the mile zero is in Masset, BC, on the northern tip of Haida Gwaii. And we took that, um, we rode all the way to mile zero. And then it kept going. So I said, we looked at each other and I said, let's just keep riding it. Let's go all the way. And um, it turned into a dirt trail and then it turned into a beach. And then I noticed that this beach turns into a big um, sand spit. I want to say it was a big sharp point where two, two sides of the island meet and it turns into a big sharp point shooting out into the ocean. And I thought, oh, I want to walk to the very end of that. To, so for me, it would kind of symbolize the absolute bitter end of that highway. Um, not bitter end, but you know what I mean? But the, the, very, the very end. So yeah, I wanted to go stand on the end of that. And so <laughs> there was a moment where I'm standing on this and I'm looking at, I'm trying to feel, you know, like the symbol, the symbolism of the oceans kind of crashing into each other because it was two opposing currents smashing up against each other. And it was really cool to look at and i look back and matt's like are we done yet can we go home <laughs> like can we go back to bed and i'm like or can we go like pitch a tent type of thing and i was like oh man this is so cool like, look at this this is <laughs> i was like this is just the end of the trip it's so symbolic and yeah i found that very funny because i think it was very telling of my attitude versus his attitude it was sort of like matt has a different way of looking at things and i definitely have mine so right matt i think you need to come in there and and, and say your bit yeah like that's hilarious that that's what you remember because i'm uh in my memory i'm feeling the same way like it was just glorious and amazing to stand in that space <laughs> and I don't remember at all wanting to pitch a tent, <laughs> but, but I mean that, uh, as you said, Sean. That's it, exactly. it was more. It was more like you were like, "Can we turn around? Like this is." <laughs> you were tired. You were very tired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean um, I, that's. I guess going back to how our brains are different, right? Like, I guess I experienced that moment, and then I thought, "Okay, what's the next decision?" <laughs> so I wasn't b dot 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 in that place. <laughs> yeah. We should call this episode Beyond the Zero Mile Marker. Right. Right, right. <laughs> Good idea. <laughs> so now this is sort of an existential question now, guys. The question I want to ask you is, can you say if and in what way this particular journey has changed you? And do you think any kind of personal growth in that way could have happened if you had not have had this huge cycling experience. So I'll start with you, Matt. Yeah, I, I absolutely it changed me. I would not be the same person if I hadn't done it. No. And when I say it, I do include Sean and I include the physical exertion and I include the, the land that we traveled, um, the people we met. I think it goes back to, what I talked about before about understanding yourself and your patterns and preferences, and then getting to a point where you can fully understand that someone else has their patterns and preferences. And, you know, the world does not revolve around you. 
And so that knowledge and journey has surely had an impact on the way that I approach life now. Uh, when I work with others, I think I've been told that I'm a good listener and a communicator. And I think that that is a byproduct of that journey that we had because I had grown in that respect to, to um, I guess it just comes down to respecting another person and stepping outside of oneself. Mm. Sean, can you uh, say a few comments on how or in what ways this journey changed you and, and do you think you would be the person you are today if not for that experience cycling with Matt across the country? Um, I definitely think that this trip was a major pivotal moment in my life and it changed me for how I have a lot more confidence in myself when it comes to if I think about something and I kind of hesitate because I, I still have that and I'm, I'll think, Oh, I don't know if I can do it. And then I'll think, well, uh, you know, I thought that before the bike trip and I did that. So I can probably, you know, figure out a way to do what I have as an idea or kind of showed me a bit more of how I can relate to my ideas and how I can, I guess just, I think it just comes down to, having a little bit more confidence. And um, I've learned also just, I honestly, the biggest, probably one of the biggest things is efficiency. Um, and this is something that I, I got from watching Matt. And it was kind of like the whole trip for me was almost like sort of taking a page out of his book. Because I would say another thing is I do have a tendency to be kind of slow. I'm a slow natured person. And with him, he will be up and out of bed and have everything packed up in under about under 10 minutes. And I was always impressed with that. So I just learned, you know, there are certain things you can do that are going to make your life a lot easier. And it's just, it comes down to efficiency, um, like grocery shopping, packing up the tent, being ready to go, having all your everything ready, like even pumping your tires before you start the day rather than halfway through the day, putting oil on your chain, just, thinking about these ways to prepare and ways to be efficient. That's all kind of, it was almost new to me in a sense, just new to rewire my brain to think of, think of my future that way, prepare for my future. It's really interesting you say that because I'm the kind of person too who likes to observe and learn through observation from watching other people do stuff. And I think that's really, really great. And it's a, it's a credit to the people who are around you that you honor them enough to take a leaf out of their book and and see how you can be better at what you do by watching somebody else do what they have taught themselves to do or they do instinctively. Yeah. One more thing I just want to say too that, yeah, it was also, the trip was great as a big distance, but it was also great to learn who this guy is that I'm traveling with and how... Just, yeah, like be, have a strong bond with someone like Matt and be, build a strong friendship. That was huge to me too. So that's another thing. Yeah. And I'll yeah. jump in and just uh, say vice versa. Like, um, man, uh, you, you also um, had an impact on me and, and allowed me to find that slowing down 
and uh, I mean, I might still pack up my tent real quick, but, <laughs> 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 but I, I might take a minute or two to just, uh, you know, observe, uh, really take it in before I get going kind of thing. So. And be dot, dot, dot. Exactly. <laughs> my favorite four. So are you ready? Yeah. Yeah. What is your favorite international greeting? Oh, um, <laughs> kia ora. That's from New Zealand. New Zealand. Cool. And Sean? Uh, miigwech. That's what um, I believe it's a Cree word for hello. Beautiful. What is your favorite cultural moment or mishap with your being traveling? Well, besides the one that we already talked about, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, cultural moment mishap. Gosh, do you want to go first, Sean? I, I have to talk. I think about this. Uh, um, anything embarrassing? Something that's happened outside of Canada or even in Quebec province? As pertains to everything that I've done. Yeah, yeah. Any, any travels. Like outside of the trip? Let's say... I don't know. <laughs> I'm thinking cultural cultural mishap um, where I am kind of like, I know when I was in Fiji, I was privileged enough to go to Fiji. That was a cool trip. And I, I was in a village and, you know, just, I don't know, like the things that you do, you learn the hard way. Like I'm learning things the hard way, what I can and can't do, like in terms of what is, respectful and what is not respectful like behaviors and what you should and shouldn't do in terms of walking into the ocean some places are sacred some places are are traditional um you could be walking around and there's a traditional graveyard or you know that not traditional but it's that's their graveyard so i'd walk through it and they go no 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 you're not supposed to be walking through that or mm-hmm. certain things like that where i've you're learning through making mistakes i would say perfect having to yeah i uh i guess mine came to mind uh my wife and i visited morocco we flew into marrakesh and on a map it looked like our Riyadh, our hotel was going to be near the airport so we thought ah, we could just walk there uh flew into marrakesh and we're kind of surprised at how different it felt and how uh, we weren't going to walk to our Riyadh. <laughs> so, uh, so um, I don't know why that comes to mind, but we, we took a taxi into town and then the taxi could only go so far because the Riyadh was within the Medina and the taxis don't fit on the narrow streets of the Medina. And so had to walk, didn't really have a good map on us. So asked the guy, just the guy who... Uh, to help us find our place and then this guy was gonna uh, take advantage of us I guess and and my wife caught on and so we had to lose him (laughs) I guess that's a that's a mishap yeah that's classic that's really nice Matt what's your favorite language oh man my favorite language I don't know what it is about Russian but man Russian intrigues me and I find that that is such a strange answer because, like, I have no connections to Russia whatsoever. But there's something about it. And you, Sean? Fijian. Brilliant. I, I like that language. And, and the final question, 
Uh, again, I'll start with you, Matt. What's your favorite airline? Favorite airline? Okay. When I was, I don't know, seven or eight, I think, uh, we flew from Calgary to Ottawa on Greyhound Airlines. And the reason why I choose Greyhound Airlines as my favorite airline is because they were kid-friendly enough that they had this competition where they rolled out a a toilet roll down the aisle of the airplane, the whole length of it. I can't remember what the game was. I think I was supposed to guess how many many squares were on the toilet roll or something. Like in retrospect, it's not that fun of a game, but I just thought it was so cool that they rolled a toilet roll all the way down the airplane. And now Greyhound, uh, Greyhound went under a couple of years after that, I think. <laughs> they spent too much money on toilet roll. Yeah. <laughs> and Sean, what's your favorite airline? Um, I guess Canada. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't... <laughs> what's it? Canada Airlines? I can't yeah. even remember the... I feel like I'm going to butcher this one. Air Canada, yeah. <laughs> just I always just go with them. They're always like kind of cheaper and yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I I I uh He's patriotic answer, Sean. It's the patriotic <laughs> yeah, answer. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Patriotic. My favorite four. What do you think is the one key factor in a good cycling adventure? Having being oh uh like being eager and willing to see what's around the corner like being excited having no idea i like having uh, a big mystery on your mind when you're when you're moving mm. and and matt you got anything to add i would say plan if you're going to make a plan plan shorter days so that you can experience the journey not the destination awesome well we're out of time guys so just wanted to say that was a very enjoyable conversation. And I think overall, the tech held out. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> now, because we, we were zooming to Halifax and to Vancouver all the way from the UK. So I was a bit apprehensive, but I think we've survived. So I just wanted to say, Matt, Sebastian, a big thank you for coming on the Nostalgic Vagabond podcast. Thanks, Al. Nice to catch up. And Sean McCord. Also, a huge thank you for coming on the Nostalgia Vagabond podcast. Thank you. My pleasure. This was very fun. Be cool, stay safe, and happy cycling. Sweet. Thank you. Ciao. Thanks for listening to the Nostalgic Vagabond. I hope you enjoyed listening to our conversation. And if you would like to listen to other interesting talks on travel, there are more podcasts available. Check them out wherever you get your podcasts. And for updates, just follow me at the Nostalgic V. Don't forget, your journey is special. Own it. I've been Alan Hill. Until next time. Hey guys, if you enjoy listening to The Nostalgic Vagabond, why not support the podcast? 
If you haven't already, subscribe and you'll be notified when new apps drop. You can also support the podcast by leaving a rating or a review on your podcast app. Why not share this episode? Tell your friends about it if something resonated with you. Word of mouth is great promotion. If you're into social media, maybe post a screenshot of the episode or upload the link on your profile so your mates can see what interesting content you've been into lately. All your support comes straight back and helps to keep the travel content and nostalgia of this podcast going. Cheers. So don't forget to subscribe.